Hello and welcome to another episode of the Motherkind podcast with me, your host, Zoe Blasky. I am so excited about this one. It is with one of my great mates and one of the UK's most successful love coaches, as cited by The Times. Her name is Persia Lawson. She is a love coach. Now you might be thinking, what is a love coach? Well, that's one of the first questions that I ask her. So when we get into the podcast, all will be revealed. But Persia has an amazing story. I think you're gonna find it really interesting and inspiring. She comes from a really challenging background and childhood. Both her parents were heroin addicts and she has spent the last decade healing herself and now has become one of the UK's top spiritual coaches. She is trained in CBT and addiction studies. She's got a book called The Inner Fix, which she co-wrote, and I highly recommend it. I often recommend The Inner Fix to mums that work with me. She's been featured in Vogue, The Sunday Times, Cosmopolitan, New Magazine, Telegraph, all the big UK press outlets have talked about her work. And she really knows her stuff. And I was thinking for ages about what I wanted Persia to talk about. She's not a mum, but she is an absolute relationship expert. So I was thinking, should we talk about marriage and how to deal with when you start hating your husband, which I think we've all been there. And then actually we thought maybe we could talk about dating as a single mum and finding love again as a single mum. So when we came upon that idea, we just thought it was brilliant. So this is for those of you. I mean, I think it's interesting for everyone because Persia talks about her story and the process that she goes through with her clients who may be struggling in relationships. And let's be honest, who hasn't struggled in relationships. But we wanted to really focus a lot of the content of this interview on single mums and mums who might be looking for love again. So Persia and I, we chat about her journey how she got to do what she's doing today. When my business partner and I kind of decided we wanted to go our own ways and do our own thing, I just knew that I wanted to focus specifically on relationships. I asked her what love coaching is, how the process works and why it's different to other types of coaching. First, it's all about looking at childhood and looking at the different patterns, looking at your parents' relationship, all the things that would have influenced you and given you some sort of love programming that you don't even realise is there. Then we get into chatting about dating as a single mum. So she talks us through the process that she teaches so that we cannot repeat the patterns that we might have got ourselves into with men and dating. And through that story, she also talks about her own love life and how she's transformed her relationship to herself first and primarily, and then to men. If you're feeling stuck and bored and lethargic in a relationship, think, okay, maybe I'm feeling stuck and bored and lethargic in my own life. What can I do to cultivate a sense of excitement and make my life more vibrant? So it's a really interesting episode. It's a bit different than some of the ones that I've done before, but I think you're gonna love it. I hope you do. If you do, please leave a review and maybe share it with any mums that you know out there that are single and looking to date, find love again. So here is the episode. Persia, welcome to the Motherkind podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm very happy to be here. Oh, so we've known each other a while. We have indeed. I'm so excited because you have such an amazing story and I followed your story for years and you're a real 
inspiration to me. Thank you. So for people that don't know you, can you share a bit about your background and how you came to be doing the work that you're doing today? So... I mean, as you know, I'm a love coach and I am not the person that you would have ever expected to be a lover coach. If you'd known me back in my former days, I wrote a book with my friend Joey called The Inner Fix. And The Inner Fix tells my story of how I grew up in a middle class family and from the outside, everything looked really good and like normal. But the reality was that behind closed doors, my parents were drug addicts and that obviously caused all sorts of problems. And one of the things for me, you know, I grew up being a real overachiever, like struggling, like with trying to get attention, I suppose, and getting validation from my parents. That was one thing. And from a very young age, I got very addicted to boys because it was a really good distraction from what was going on at home. So yeah, started kind of hanging out with boys very young, getting into relationships very young. And it was actually when my parents got sober when I was 16, that you'd think that that would be like the happily ever after. I remember in sixth form, I suddenly had this like dream family life that I'd always, always like imagined having and could never imagine like it would actually be a reality. And suddenly I had it and I didn't know what to do with it because I was so used to drama and chaos. So what I did was I kind of went outside the family unit and I started creating that drama and chaos for myself because that was what was normal to me. It kind of got worse and worse over the years, particularly at university and as I hit my 20s. When I came out of university, I went to drama school. And that's when I kind of got into doing drugs and my relationships with men were just getting more toxic. I mean, I'd cheat on every single boyfriend. In fact, I think I did cheat on every boyfriend I ever had. And I was increasingly drawn to very destructive men, drug addicts, drug dealers, because again, that's kind of what I'd seen growing up. And then a rock bottom for me was I was... I just got my master's in European classical acting. And a few weeks later, I found myself working in a strip club as a hostess. So I wasn't actually stripping. And one night I was sexually assaulted. And this is actually something, I do talk about it in the inner fix, but I have kind of left this out a lot. I've realized recently that I haven't often talked about that sexual assault. And I hadn't actually identified that that was such a core part of my story. But it was after that I went to do an acting job in Shanghai and I put on two stone in two months. And I was completely wild, sleeping around a lot, if I'm honest, with guys from all over the world, like just, you know, one night stands, it was really bad. All the while I had a boyfriend in Russia who I went to see after China. Anyway, I came back and my parents saw that I put all this weight on and thank God that they were recovering addicts because they could see, okay, something's not right. And I've kind of always been a bit of the golden child because yes, there was this self-destructive behavior going on, but I was always an A-star student. So I was able to hide a lot of it and just kind of, you know, I was popular, I had friends and they kind of thought, you know, she's all right, she's fine. And it was the first time I think that they were like, oh God, she's not in a good way. So my dad took me on this health retreat in Thailand. And while I was there, he said something that completely changed the direction of my life. And he said to me, if you focus on the insides, the outsides will take care of themselves. It completely changed my life. For the first time in a long time, I had a few weeks while I was there. There was no partying, there was no booze, there were no boys. And before I'd gone, my friend had given me this book called Women Who Love Too Much by Robin Norwood, which is, oh my God, incredible. Mm. So I was reading that book and I suddenly realised all of this stuff about myself and about my relationships with men and how it was influenced by kind of my childhood. 
So I came back from that trip. And actually, while I was on that holiday, I remember having a kind of an emotional clearing session, which I had no idea what that was, with this woman there. And she said to me, one day you're going to write a book and it's all going to be about your inner life. And obviously the book went on to be The Inner Fix. She said all of this stuff that has literally happened since then. But then I was like, I don't know where she's getting this from because I'm an actress, you know. Anyway, came back from that trip, started therapy, started a lot of healing work. The long and short of it is I got into another relationship, which is the main one I talk about in The Inner Fix. And it was with an addict who I've been friends with since I was 15, who'd been out of rehab for six months. So we were definitely not ready to be in a relationship, but it was that relationship. It was only a year long, but it was where I learned. I mean, he cheated on me and broke my heart, like completely. It was like my mirror Mm -hmm. and it showed me everything I needed to heal. So that was really what kind of set me on this path. When we broke up, I started a blog with a friend called Addictive Daughter. And we talked about, you know, having a quarter-life crisis. We talked about all the struggles that we were having being a 25, 26-year-old in London, struggles with career, struggles with money, struggles with mainly relationships. And then we got a lot of press. We got a book deal. And then the Innifix came out in 2016. And interestingly, we kind of felt when that came out that... That was almost the completion of it. We felt like we'd been doing that for four years. So we decided to go our separate ways. And straight away, I knew that I just wanted to focus on relationships. Because How did you know that? So in 2015, I'd been single for a year and a half. That was a miracle for me because I was never single for longer than a couple of months at most. There was always someone on the go. And I wrote the first draft of The Inner Fix. And the next day, I went to Wilderness Festival in Oxfordshire in the UK and I remember literally the last one of the last sentences that I wrote of the first draft before I went I said I really feel ready for like a spiritual relationship I feel ready to meet kind of like my soulmate the next day I literally met him in this festival I felt this feeling in my stomach we're in this like rave in a wood and it was like one in the morning and I felt this voice like kind of say to me turn around and I turned around and we just eyes met and that was kind of it and yeah, we've been now together coming up to three years. And by the time that the Innerfix came out, we've been together for just under a year. So I knew that when my business partner and I kind of decided we wanted to go our own ways and do our own thing, I just knew that I wanted to focus specifically on relationships because even with Addictive Daughter, that was always the thing I was most interested in talking about. I've always been obsessed. Like Ever since I was a little girl, I have been obsessed with love and relationships. I just struggled with the idea of actually committing. I was never the girl that thought about marriage. I just wanted the romance and I wanted the adventure. And now I'm in a place of, you know, really learning what commitment is about. And it's been the most incredible journey. Like Joe, he's my best friend. We've just got back from five months traveling the world together. And yeah, so I just love helping women who've been where I've been in relationships and dating, kind of helping them with the issues that they don't even realise, stuff from their childhood or their younger years, they don't realise had such a big impact on the kind of guys that they're attracted to and the certain patterns or issues in their relationships. So what do you do as a love coach? Do you help people meet someone? Do you help people stay with that person? Do you help people leave relationships? Mm-hmm. Like, what does it look like? I think, yeah. you know, a lot of people probably get a bit confused about yeah, what yeah, it yeah. means. Do you get well, that that's it. So the main thing I do is I help people attract their soulmate. And the thing is, what's so interesting is people misread that, but they misunderstand what that means. They think, oh, you're going to show me what I need to do. You're going to tell me the dating tips and all of that. And I'm like, that is the least of your worries right now. Like that is the cherry on top right at the end, okay? What we need to do is we need to go way back. And so the one-to-one program that I run, 
It's actually a three-month programme and each module we look at different aspects. So the first is all about looking at childhood and looking at the different patterns, looking at your parents' relationship, all the things that will have influenced you and given you some sort of love programming that you don't even realise it's there. And then the second module is about looking at your behaviour throughout your relationships and dating life and even like, you know, what sort of people have you been attracted to? How have you behaved? What are your specific patterns? Mm. The third module is looking at kind of spiritual connection because a lot of girls come to me and they have a really low sense of self-worth and they don't look after themselves and they're just very lost. So that's all about coming home to yourself and connecting with yourself. It's about connecting with your intuition, all that sort of thing. The fourth module is about forgiveness and letting go and releasing all that emotional baggage that we carry from past relationships. The fifth is about increasing your confidence and self-worth and looking at boundaries for yourself in your dating life. And then the next module is about creating a compelling vision for your romantic life. What do you actually want? What's important to you? Then you start to look at like, okay, so then how do I communicate with people I'm dating with? All of that. People want to jump to number seven though. Yeah, it's doing the inner work. Yeah, it's do- that yeah, is it. It's the inner work. That's a much quicker way of saying it. It's the inner work that most people don't want to do. But I'm like, okay, I never had a problem getting dates and getting guys. That was not my problem. That's actually... I don't think that's the hardest bit. The problem is if you're coming from a really unhealthy, dysfunctional place, it's never going to last. So I knew, I'm like, I wanted to have a soulful, mature, exciting, expansive relationship that would help me grow. But I couldn't stay with that because I couldn't even have a relationship like that with myself. So it's actually about starting with you and your relationship with yourself. Then the romantic relationship will happen of its own accord. It's like what my dad said, focusing on the insides and the outsides, whether that's relationship or whatever else, will occur naturally. So I mainly have women come to me who want to get a healthier dating life and want a a healthier love life and attract the person that's their kind of lasting partner. I work with a few people who are in a relationship and struggling but I think my passion is mainly towards people who are single. So when you start working with someone and you sort of, I guess, share this idea of really that the people that are in our lives, romantic or not actually, are mirroring yes. what's going on with us. Yeah. Is that sort of accepted? Or do you, do yeah. people really rally against that and be like, because I remember learning that like, you know, a number of years ago now and being like, really? I mean, now yeah. I know that to be yeah. true. But yeah. I remember when I first heard that, I was like, mm, Do you experience that? And what do you do to get people to see that as their reality? Because there might be people listening who are thinking, oh, I'm not sure I totally buy into that idea. I'll just say, actually start writing about the type of partners you've had, the type of qualities that they've had, and you start to realise that they're the mirror. You the know? common denominator is you. Is the, exactly. <laughs> That's and what I always think know, to exactly. myself. Exactly, yeah, exactly. It's fascinating. Actually, most people come quite open. I think if you're yeah. going to come to a love coach, you're at a place where you're like, oh, I've tried everything else. <laughs> you're the last resort this is what I'm trying to change it because there's not that many love coaches and I don't understand why is that I don't know I mean look I think it's probably going to start becoming a bigger thing life coaching which is what I was trained in before and that's what you know I focused on before I use all those sort of tools that I learned in life coaching and all I do is apply them to love coaching essentially and I've learned a lot of psychology around relationships as well But if you think about it, I mean, look at the world today. Mm. Look at Tinder, look at the dating apps, look at, 
divorce rate, everything. I'm like, there has never been more of a need for it. That's so important. And when people say, God, why does anyone need a love coach? I think, okay, so you're quite happy to have, like, you know, people go to nutritionists or get a personal trainer. Relationships, and I'm not just talking about romantic, I mean all relationships, because this is what I've learned the hard way. Your relationship problems, so your relationships with your family and with your friends, there's often things in there that are going to be similar to what's going on in your romantic yeah, life absolutely. as well. Yeah, yeah. So when you, you don't s- change, your you don't change. change. So, you know, I found when I started doing this work, I'm like, God, my friends are telling me and my family, like, you're so much nicer because those principles that I was learning about how to be healthier in a romantic relationship to have boundaries, to be respectful, to speak the truth, were all things that I struggled with in all of my other relationships as well. So if you're going to get support and help, you know, you go to the doctor because you've broken a finger or, you know, you're feeling sick. If your love life's a disaster, why wouldn't you get support and help in that? And what's interesting is, you know, the approach I have is very holistic and it always has been, you know, because I think, you know, mind, body, spirit are all integrated. So I get my clients to work on all aspects because if you're not looking after yourself, if you're not eating well and exercising, then it's very difficult to be healthy in your romantic life because you're not showing yourself respect. And if you're treating yourself badly, firstly, how can you possibly expect either to treat someone else well or to have someone else treat you well because your self-worth, if the other person is the mirror, then they're going to reflect back to you how you treat yourself. And this is what I see time and time again. You know, people always say like, I don't understand women with a domestic abuse. Like if my guy started hitting me, like why on earth would you accept it? But then I say to them, okay, so let's scale back from domestic abuse. Look at your relationship or look at people you've dated and were they emotionally abusive? And you think it's really easy to tell your friend, oh, that's awful. He's treating you awful. Why are you doing that? But then you look back at your own love life and you're like, oh, I've accepted some really bad behaviour. And not only that, for me, I did some really bad stuff, some really emotionally manipulative, abusive things, just because I, well, there was probably the odd time I gave my boyfriend a bit of a thump, but, you know, that wasn't my thing. But I realised now, God, I was emotionally abusive and I've been emotionally abused before and I didn't realise that. Yeah, God, it's so fascinating, isn't it? And now you said you've been with Joe for three years. Mm-hmm. Because it's something else that I'm fascinated in, and there's so many ways that we could take this. Mm-hmm. I want us to focus on helping single mums date, actually. Yes. But before we get there, I just want you to share a little bit about, for those people that are married or maybe in longer-term relationships, how do you keep that expansive, impassioned, positive, great relationship going when you get past that, what is it, like six, seven month point? Yeah. Maybe longer for yeah. some? Well, this was always the fear for me because I love the honeymoon phase and then I'm who like... Who doesn't? Yeah, who doesn't? And then I'm like, oh. but you know what? What I, do you do when the mundanity of the sort of the laundry is and that the... Word? Yeah, it is now. <laughs> it's mundanity. <laughs> the mundanity of the laundry. I know. Oh God. Well, this is it. When I moved in with Joe, I mean, Zoe, you were a massive help to me. When I moved in with Joe, I read Zoe and I was like, I'm having a breakdown. <laughs> I can't handle it. It's all different. It's I'd hard. never officially, officially live with a boyfriend. Like I'd stayed at theirs and had a suitcase by the door ready to go. But it was the suddenly the moving in. And I was like, oh God, it's like so unromantic. And now, do you know what? I have changed my tune about that because I realise that your relationship, Robin Norwood says, a relationship is only as healthy as its sickest partner, which really was helpful to me. So on that note, 
comes back to your relationship with yourself. So if I'm thinking, oh, the relationship's got boring and stagnant, maybe it's something you need to look at in yourself and how you're living your life. And I really learned that. Yeah, not putting you know too I mean? much pressure on the relationship. No. This is something that I say all the time. Like, I don't expect my husband to be my lover, my best friend, my yeah. confident, my emotional support, yeah. my fun going out partner. You know, it's too much for one person, isn't yeah. it? And I'm learning that really helped me which is what you're talking about of course which is how do we look at ourselves and own our own lives and a relationship is part of that whole not the whole exactly it's the cherry on top that's what you need to think about it's really hard because when you're living together and I'm sure when when you're married when you've got kids that's really difficult but I always believe your spiritual relationship i.e. your relationship with yourself is the most important because if you don't have that in alignment, you cannot have your romantic relationship. So in you would say if someone's listening in a long-term relationship, we're going to get onto the dating stuff in a minute. The first thing to do is take the pressure yeah. off that. Just yeah. hold that maybe yeah. for a minute. Okay, hold that, a pin in that. That might be shit right now, but let's yeah. just hold that. And then you would say if someone came to you, start looking at yourself. Start looking at yourself. So okay. if you're feeling stuck and bored and lethargic in a relationship, think okay. Maybe I'm feeling stuck and bored and lethargic in my own life. What can I do to cultivate a sense of excitement and make my life more vibrant? And it can literally be, I mean, I've done this with some clients. They're just a bit bored. Go and start a hobby. Do something to get the energy moving, to make your life feel exciting. When you're feeling good, your other half will be like, way. And I've seen that with me and Joe. I mean, traveling was really helpful for that because everything's new, you know? And I don't think you need to travel around the world necessarily, but it's that feeling of, finding something new and making your life exciting and you don't have to spend a load of money it's so so simple you need to give yourself some sort of focus do you know what i mean create something for yourself and the relationship if we're focusing on the insides the outsides take care of themselves the relationship will become better as a result and without you having to manipulate your partner at all and if it doesn't and if it doesn't well sometimes sometimes people come together now you taught me this people come together to, was it maximum, I'm going to get the words wrong. Ah, yeah, when I talk about soulmates. Maximum maximum growth growth. and healing potential. Yeah. So I do think, you know, Elizabeth Gilbert says in Eat, Pray, Love, soulmates, they come together to teach you something and then, you know, you shouldn't be with them forever, then they go because it's too painful to be together. I agree and I disagree with that because I feel like I am in a relationship with my soulmate, but he's not my soulmate in every level. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, he's I'm not, not sure. yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. He's, there's a lot of pressure on that. There's word, a lot there? of pressure. Exactly. I don't, I don't really call guy my soulmate. <laughs> yeah, my mate. Yeah, just, just <laughs> my, my bedmate. Just my mate. <laughs> yeah, I think that's so interesting. Around, I remember chatting to you about that yeah. about coming together to to learn things or to grow, yes. and then going on our separate and you go ways. Your separate ways. Yeah, and so you know what? Who knows? Like. I think the differences with me and Joe might look at the inner fix. I talk about um, my relationship with Tiger. That's obviously a nickname. He was the one year relationship which completely changed my life. Now, we were together one year, but the things I learned in that relationship are the reason I can be with Joe today. And by the way, really bizarrely, Joe and Tiger are really good mates. They get on so well, which I think everyone else thinks really weird, but I just, you know, Joe just, there's obviously a lot, they have a lot in common me but they're similar in a lot of ways but the difference was is that I couldn't see my future with Tiger with Joe we had a great soul connection but actually we're compatible to have a life together and it sounds quite unromantic doesn't it to be like you both want the same things in life and you can imagine yourself living with them it's really but it's important, important. and look Joe in one way we're not compatible to live together because I'm anally clean and tidy and he is pretty much feral like he is so messy and it really triggers me and yet 
I love well, living with him. Let's talk about that. Okay. So many people struggle with that. Yeah, I mean, that's why How I had a breakdown you... when I said yeah, yeah. to you. But let's focus on the solution. <laughs> so what do you do then? Because that's a great example. How would you coach someone through really struggling with the messiness of their partner or maybe like the unmanageability of their partner being late or not paying yeah. bills on time? Or yeah. How do we make peace with that? So this has been such a big thing for me to learn. And I've just been on the phone to a client about this before this podcast actually and the fact is we've got to accept people as they are like I have tried in every way to manipulate Joe into being tidy and I just have to accept because I think you don't care about me because you know this is important to me mm. but actually Joe cares about me so much he's just a different kettle of fish when it comes to how he is in domestic sphere yeah because it's so interesting because you hear this it's like sort of a platitude isn't it like yeah. oh you have to love someone exactly as they are but I think a lot of us me included don't yeah. really integrate that. yes yeah it's such a platitude Look, I'm not saying that, oh, someone's a cheater, just love them as they are. Like, yeah, yeah, look, yeah. there there's are, there shades, are of course, shades of grey and there's boundaries and all sorts. But Joe, look, he can try, but he fundamentally, he doesn't understand. He's like, I don't understand how neat you are. And he finds it irritating because I tidy up and I move his stuff and then I can't remember where I put it. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, it's all very well for me to sit there and accuse him, but there's always another side of it. And the other person, if you're getting annoyed at them, guaranteed they're getting annoyed at you for something as well. So we've got to remember that we ain't so perfect. And... You've just got to accept, okay, can I live with this? That's the thing you've got to ask yourself. Is this a deal breaker? Because if that's just one of many, many things, then maybe, you know what, it's not worth it. But my relationship with Joe is so good that I'm like, look, it is a trigger for me, but the rest of our relationship is so good that I am willing to find a way. And have you had to look at that trigger? Like, what is it exactly, in you that exactly. wants to keep everything controlled? Well, this is it. This is what I say to my clients as well, because when I really realised that, this isn't normal quite how much it triggers me. Like, I felt like I was having a trauma response. So I did a lot of journaling. Um, I went and got a therapist because, you know, that's how intense it got for me. And I kind of realised that actually growing up, my mum is like the tidiest, neatest person. But when they were in a very bad place, I'd come home and I would know when I came in the door, if the house was messy, things weren't good. Right. And if the house were tidy and clean... It was a good day. It's not surprising you're triggered course, then by a messy... Of course, of course. So I would say this to Joan. I was like, you know, when I discovered this, this thing, I was like, you know, you know it's a trigger for me. Do you not care? And of course, you know, he will try, but he just doesn't realise. That's the thing, he doesn't realise. And what I've also... This is what I'll say to you as well, if this is something you can relate to. It was very easy for me to focus on what Joe was doing wrong. I was not looking at all the things Joe does right. Joe is so generous. He'll come home with loads of groceries. He'd never think to ask me for money. You know, he drives me about, not like a chauffeur, but like when we go back to his parents, he'll always drive, never ask for petrol. He'll cook for me all the time, doesn't clean up. But you know, he was serving me in so many ways that I wasn't recognizing because what I do is clean and tidy. It's like your love languages, isn't it? So love languages is about how you receive and give love. So let me try and remember them because this is actually really helpful. Do you know about the love languages? No. Oh, you're gonna love this. Okay, so there's five different types of ways that we either give or receive love. So, and typically each of us will have two dominant ones. So there's acts of service. So that's things like cooking, maybe driving you about, just doing errands or maybe even paying for things as well quality time me and joe both have that so you just kind of with the person you love you just want to spend loads of time together yeah physical touch again me and joe have the same one there we're both very tactile 
Words of affirmation, so that's where you will say really nice things to the other person all the time. And the other one, of course, I've forgotten. I can look it up. I'll put it in the notes. Put it is, yeah. It's a book by Gary Chapman. It's so good. But what's interesting about relationships, so my relationship before Joe, he had completely different love languages. So I never felt loved because he was doing things for me and he never felt loved because I wasn't responding in a way that meant love to him. I've never questioned that Joe loves me because we respond in the same way, except for the tidy thing. Mm. I just thought, that's yeah, important Guy and, I, Guy and I had this, exactly the same thing, where when I'm upset, what I need, and I now know about myself, is comfort. So I want right. someone to come and hug me, and yeah. say, are you okay? My gosh, you know, just sit with me, yeah. hear me, wipe my nose. Yeah. <laughs> Guy, my husband, he wants the opposite. Right. So wants he space. wants space. Mm. So what was happening is I was getting upset and he's like, oh, Zoe's upset. I'll give her space. Yeah. Because that's what that's he what wants. That's what he wants. Yes. And it took us ages to figure out and I was going, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm giving you, you know, but we didn't realise this yeah. was the dynamic yeah. until, you know, we sat down and sort of really focused on it and we learned and it was a real game changer yeah. for us that we tend to be in the relationship what we think we need ourselves yeah. instead of yes. just the simple question of asking someone, yeah. what do you need when you're exactly. upset? And we were total opposites. Yeah. So the other thing, you know, it's working the other way. So he'd be upset, need space, and I'd be like all over him. Mm-hmm. Being like, are you okay? Yeah. And he's like, give me uh, space. Yeah. And then I'd get yeah. rejected and triggered. And all yeah. That. Yeah. So the moment that we learned that, it's so a game changer. Useful. And that's such a good, I guess, to segue into what you want to talk about is communication. Communication, I mean, I have learned a lot. And I was an actress and I couldn't communicate with the people, like friends, family, anyone. Yeah, I could very not different communicate. things. <laughs> well, I know, but I, yeah, I don't know. I genuinely thought I was quite a good communicator. But that's because I was standing on it. I had a very misguided perception of what communication was. Right, yeah. I didn't associate that with what it meant. And like you just shared, it is the simplest things. Most of the problems, whether you're dating, whether you're in a long-term marriage, relationship, whatever it is, it comes down to communication. Mm-hmm. And it can be rectified so quickly if you sit down and you take the time to ask the question and listen. It's making the space. Yes. And Guy and I, we used to be better at this before, Jesse, and we need to get onto it again, is just creating that space of being like, what? going on is there anything I'm doing really pissing you off yeah you know and just yeah. asking those questions otherwise yeah. we never would have got to that insight around yeah. that tiny example but over years that could have really eroded us and you know caused a massive rift yeah let's talk about dating yes <laughs> so I want to talk about dating quite specific where okay. I want to talk about dating for single mums mm-hmm. because I think it's really tricky yeah. it's really bloody tricky being a mum mm-hmm. I cannot imagine what it's like being a single mum and then having to date. So I want us to really dig into that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a mum out there and she's, you know, got one or two, how many children she's got and she finds herself, you know, back on the dating scene Mm -hmm. and you were working with her. Mm -hmm. We've already talked about it a bit, but would you get her to look at what happened with the dad or dads of her children? Yeah. Because I think some might say, oh, I don't want to dredge all that up from the past. Or So you would say look at what happened you can't avoid it so this is it I've actually I'm not a mum or a single mum but I have worked with a few and it is exactly the same process and again some people don't want to hear it because they're not ready to hear it and it is painful and one of my clients she had a really hard time and she was early to mid-20s and had a yeah a hard time with the father of her child and 
we did some work together and she did a lot of healing and she looked at all of the stuff. She went back, all the same process that I mentioned earlier. And then in time, she met the most amazing guy. Because I know that, you know, what I often heard from single mums I've spoken to is that fear of, not in any way, of course, their children being baggage, but of course that that's going to be a factor in a new relationship. Well, I want to talk about that a bit as well, you know, when we get to it about yeah. when should you introduce a new partner yeah, to and yeah. all that sort of thing. But I'm interested as well, because I guess unlike when you just end a relationship, yeah. you can almost just send that person Exactly. Off. They're going to be in your lives forever, yeah. hopefully. Exactly. They're going to be present. Yeah. How does that change the dynamic? Yeah. I guess that makes this work even That's more important. The, exactly. This is why, like, I'm really passionate about helping single mums because look I'm not in that position myself but who knows maybe one day I will be who knows it can happen to to anyone and it always comes back to honestly anything in your love life I will always say it comes back to your relationship with yourself so of course there's going to be some healing to do if you've gone through that of course there is and it's more important than ever that you've got a healthy relationship with yourself so that you're then able to have the healthiest relationship possible with the father so that that can be the best thing for the child Some of my clients have been through hell and back with the father of their children. I'm not saying who's been right or wrong. Both have done things that maybe weren't that great. But, you know, you've got to think about someone else. It's not just about you anymore. And like you said, the father, regardless of whether the mum gets a new partner or not in the future, the father's always going to hopefully, hopefully be in the life. And that's why maintaining your relationship with yourself and also another big thing is boundaries because you're going to have to learn how to set some sort of boundaries if you're not living with the father let's get onto that so Mm. how does then you know that example of your client you know you've had a baby with someone you've had a family with someone and they've behaved in an unideal way let's call Mm -hmm. it to you maybe they've cheated on you they run off with someone else or maybe they don't want to know their children how do you help someone get to that place of forgiveness so Mm. that they can you know set that person free and maybe have a good relationship how on earth do you go from that place deep resentment anger even pointing the finger blame yeah to forgiveness well that's it I start the process so before we even get onto that person this is how far back I go we go why were you attracted to them why did you get into that relationship let's go right back because I'm very thorough Mm -hmm. and I believe if we're going to do this let's do this you know let's look at everything I don't leave any stone unturned because what happens is it actually makes it easy for them because a lot of the things they go how did I let myself get into this situation I'm so livid with myself and then they know they start to realize they realize so the forgiveness comes from seeing their part their part but we get so forgiveness is the fourth step like you know you're not ready to start with that you have to go back also to have compassion for yourself of how you got yourself into that position look not as a single mum but just as like the behavior that I was getting into working in a strip club all of these things I was so angry and disgusted by myself. I had to understand how I ended up there in the first place. So it's about taking them that through, through that yeah. process. So before forgiveness, the third step is about the spiritual connection, self-worth, looking at all of that, coming from a more loving, compassionate approach. You cannot get to forgiveness and acceptance of the other person until you get there yourself. That is the core. Mm, so if you're feeling angry, resentful... You know, blame, the thing to do is to look back, you know, maybe work with someone like you or a therapist or, you know, maybe a really good friend and Mm -hmm. and think about those patterns. And then I love that, you know, get that Mm self-compassion and then set the other person free. Exactly, yeah. And then let's talk about that relationship because I think I cannot imagine how challenging that must be to navigate. I mean, I find co-parenting with Guy and trying to align on our values and how we're going to do it is really tricky and we're married in the same house. Yeah. So I guess boundaries we talked about. 
how on earth does someone navigate this new relationship they're in? Cause it's still a relationship, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Even though they're not together romantically anymore, mm-hmm. it's still a relationship. They're still a relationship. How do they navigate that new relationship so that it's healthy, functioning, you know, for themselves and the children? So the firstly, I start by make your focus on looking after yourself as much as you possibly can so that at the very least you're coming before you approach that other person before you even know what your boundaries need to be you are in alignment with yourself and you're feeling calm you're taking care of yourself because I see a lot of single mums who are trying to navigate this relationship with their husband they are burnt out they are exhausted they've got all of this stuff yeah. going on it's like how can you possibly come from yeah. a healthy place and then place it's with one that? text saying I'm going to be five minutes late to and, collect yeah. and then it's explosion it, oh it explodes it yeah. explodes so yeah. that's it always start with yourself keep the focus on you initially and then you're going to be in a position to contact them or open the lines of communication maybe you'd say look it's really important for our child that we are in as healthy a place as we can be and we work this out and navigate this so how about we meet up go for a coffee and we talk we have a chat you come from a very calm energy I haven't been in that situation I can imagine that's really hard mm-hmm. because there's a lot of pride I'm sure at stake and they may have really hurt you but you have to find a way to come from that. It makes it a lot easier for the other person to then go, okay, let's do that. Now, as I've seen with some of my clients, even when they come from that calm, respectful, mature place, that can actually trigger the guy to, to like throw his toys out the pram. Yeah. So it becomes about you stay calm you keep your centre. It's like the eye of the storm, isn't Will it? Will you be the change you want to see? Yes. Right? So if yep. you want that relationship to be yep. mature and balanced and boundaries, then we have to become that. Yes. Not get crazy too. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Don't join them where they are. Yeah. Let them go off, have that. And this is the thing. It's like the biggest spiritual challenge I can imagine. Oh, I can't imagine. How that. difficult that must be. But my goodness, like... I have so much respect for the bit. And people do it. That's the thing. I have seen it time and time again. People find a way to do it. Over time, I think at the beginning, it's going to be very hard because it's new and it's shifting. Over time, if you keep your cool and you stay aligned and centered and you really know your values and you have integrity and you know who you are, but at the same time, when you come to meet them and discuss whatever arrangements you need to discuss, and this is the hard bit, you have got to listen because that child is half theirs. Mm. And that must be hard because... They could be saying some crazy stuff that you totally disagree with. And you have to find a way, I guess, to compromise and to, I suppose, have an in- a, a strong enough relationship with your intuition where you can go, okay, you know what? I'm going to be lenient on that. I'm going to allow that, let that one kind of not go, but you know what I mean, a little bit. But if there's something that says their suggestion is just not okay, fundamentally it doesn't feel right, doesn't feel safe for my child, then you've got to find a way to negotiate. And that's the boundaries thing, isn't it? Yeah, that's the boundaries. Would you say someone has to have this element sorted, whatever that looks like, whether it's sorted as in this just isn't going to work, you know, we need to, or sorted as in you're able to find a way through before they then think about dating? again I would always suggest that yeah (laughs) I would always suggest I mean I would suggest that whether you have a kid or not like I was doing an interview yesterday and they were asking about you know how long before you're ready to get in a new relationship and obviously it's different for everyone I'd say if you've had any form of serious relationship and if you've had a child that's that's a serious, serious even if it was a fling if you've had a child that's a big thing so I would say at, at least a year before you, you know, at the, see all the seasons, <laughs> see all the seasons before you get into that space. Wow, okay. People always want a number. So if I say, oh, you've got to wait and see when you're ready. They're like, no, give me a number. I'm like, okay, we're going to give a number. A year. Let's say a year. 
because I just like this idea of you've been through all the seasons and there's something cyclical about that. You've had some healing time and space. I think there might be something as well, you know, whatever age the children are, you yeah. know, to allow that settling time for everyone. Yes, yeah. Before then that new phase starts to yeah. unfold. So let's go through to the new phase then. So okay. let's go into our fantasy dream world that everything's sorted with the former partner mm-hmm. and there's some boundaries and healthy relationship going on. How then does someone begin to date and how on earth do you know when to bring that person introduce them to your children and all that stuff Mm -hmm. i'd really like to get your okay so let's start with the dating thing it's a very different style of dating when you've got a child at home well there's also because you can't go on a date every night of the week because you need to get expensive babysitters exactly exactly a bit more pressure on it exactly so the key is once again is they say oh i don't know whether to say anything or you know how to navigate this i'm like you know what Oh, whether to say that, to they, have, that even, they have children. Yeah, because wow, I, look, okay. so I think actually, to be honest, these days, it's not that difficult. Like, I've had single mum friends go on nights out with them and that's it, they'll get chatted up, of course. And it then comes that thing of like, when do you say? Yeah. Now, I just believe in transparency and openness. I just think, why not make life easier? And, and also, I think the reason, like single mum said to me oh but but then they won't look at me again I'm like well then they weren't the right one for you because I have seen plenty of men who are open to that you have to trust don't you you have to just trust and look not everyone is going to be up for that but they're the ones you don't want there anyway you know the ones that are right for you will be very excited that you have children exactly exactly and I honestly have seen this time and time and have time you? again I really have so let's go back to that then it's about your belief if you go out there expecting no one's going to want me because I have kids then that's what you're going to see if you go they would be lucky to have me because I've got the most incredible kids and family. And to be welcomed into this, they would be lucky. So that's where you, before you even go dating, you get into a place of that. And that's the reality for most people. Yeah. Isn't it? They yeah. would be incredibly lucky. Exactly. And again, I've seen one of my clients and the guy she's with now, look, he was a lad about town. And he said, I did not expect this. I would never have imagined that I would have fallen in love with someone, got in a relationship with someone who had a young child. He was actually at a casting thing and she's an actress. She came with her little kid and he was casting. So he saw and he just said, I was just drawn to her and I knew what the deal was. And he kind of, I think, wrestled with it for a little bit. Mm. But she stayed strong and she stayed still and she was like, she'd been through so much. She's like, you know, I don't feel negative about this. I don't feel bad. Like, you go and work this out if you want to. But yeah. I'm really proud of myself this and you're is me, lucky. This is my family. This is, this is what it is. That was it. That's extremely There's attractive. There's probably an inner strength that comes from yes. going through those huge, you know, this yeah. is what you and I talk about a lot, isn't it? And teach yeah. is that, you know, we go through these things to turn these yeah. wounds and these pain into strength. Yeah, exactly. And I think it also sometimes helps just thinking of like statistically, I can't give you any statistics, but like generally, think of how many people get remarried and people have they, all the friends I grew up with who had stepdads yes. or stepmoms and like, often second marriages I hope guys not listening to this <laughs> better than the worst <laughs> can be a lot well you probably hopefully learned a lot exactly. hopefully you've learned a lot if you've taken the right steps and you know you've done something positive hopefully and learned the lessons I think that's a good point we're going to go back to the dating in a minute, mm-hmm. but just the lessons only come when we actively seek the lessons because I think sometimes yeah. there can be this view that like I've been through all this stuff and so I feel wiser. Yeah. And I think that's what you're talking about, is if yeah. you're going through this, or you've been through this, you know, actively seeking those lessons. Being open to them and showing up because uh, when in my wilder days, there were many opportunities that came along where I could have 
get off that train wreck that I was. Well, the universe is always talking to us. Always it's just talking. Whether we're listening. Whether you're it? listening. And look, you know how if someone's really learned the lessons that they've been given is what is their attitude? Because if they're really bitter and judgmental and harsh and yeah. cynical, yeah, people I know have been through so much. It'd be understandable for them to be like that, and yet they have chosen to use it as an opportunity to heal and to grow in love more. And I think, God, you've been through so much and yet you're the most positive person I know. There's other people who haven't really been through all that much and they are bitter as hell, yeah. you know? So it's like, how do you want to meet this? How do you want to meet um, the cards that you've been dealt in life? You know, I mean, that's a big lesson. Mm-hmm. You know what people say? Oh, it's not fair that he cheated on me or did this. I'm like, no, it's not fair. The world ain't fair. But this is what's happened. How do you want to react? Because actually, this could be the making of you. The worst things that happened to me in my life, and look, I appreciate people have had much worse things happen to them, but I can take myself as an example. The worst things that happened to me have become the best things. Well, because, me too. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, for a long time, I didn't let that be the case. But when I went, you know what, I'm done. There's got to be another way. I want to do things differently. I am ready to learn these lessons. And when I started the healing process and when I became open to doing things differently and from a place of love, my life has got better year after year after year. And there is no reason why it shouldn't be the same for a single mum. And I've seen that. I've seen that with clients I've worked with. Yeah, so they're embodying this energy of, you know, I've learned these lessons. I'm coming from this place of strength, of yes. wisdom. yeah. You know, I'm open to a new way. So really, I mean, it's almost law of attraction yeah. energy yeah. type thing, isn't it? Where we're sort of being what we want to yeah. attract in. And yeah. then they start dating. When does someone introduce a new partner to their children or even tell their children that they're dating? I think it's obviously different for everyone. I can say what I would suggest or what I think I would probably do myself. Of course, yeah. if I was in that situation, it might be different. But you know what? It's the same rule I had for introducing to family, if I'm honest, because my parents had a bit of a joke of like, oh God, here we go, another boyfriend. (laughs) So I was like, when I met Joe, I was like, I'm not going to introduce them unless for me, this is like a solid thing. Because look, if you're a single mum and you want to date and you want to just go and have fun, you can do that and you don't need to introduce the person necessarily. Or even tell your kids. No, because because that, you know, you're an adult and you can, as long as you're, you know, doing what you need to do so that your child, you know, you feel your child is being respected and safe. They don't need to necessarily know everything. But I think it gets messy when you're not clear. And look, this is what I say to my clients who aren't mums or anything. I just say, look, you want to be clear on what the relationship is. And that comes from being transparent with the other person. Like if you know, for example, you want to be in a relationship, you don't want to just be sleeping together or having a fling. You need to be clear with that person. Because firstly, sex does not guarantee anything. I've made the mistake in my past of thinking, well, now we've slept together. That means that we're exclusive. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And actually, you know, before me and Joe slept together, I said, this is kind of a tangent, but I think it's relevant. I said to him, look, I have learned the hard way that it doesn't feel good to me to have casual sex. It's too painful. I'm happy to keep dating you and seeing where this leads and dating other people. I'm not going to sleep with anyone unless I'm in an exclusive relationship. And... To be honest, I I wasn't doing it manipulatively, but he couldn't believe. He was like, I think you're the most incredible person. I've never had someone be so honest with me and straight with me. And that was kind of it. And I think that is the same principle that you can use in anything. Mm -hmm. You've got to work out, like, more so as a single mum, like, 
what do you want? Be really clear and honest with yourself. Because yeah. if it is a few flings, fine, 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 and they don't need to. You don't, don't need to bring them into the house necessarily. Confused. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's the thing is sometimes people aren't clear about what they want, and then it gets messy. Don't date until you're kind of a bit clearer. And look, you can be dating someone and think it's just a fling, and it can become something, or you can be dating someone and you you're kind of you know said to each other this is a, a committed relationship, and it goes wonky you know anything's possible but you can give yourself a hell of a lot of help and support and make life a lot easier for yourself by just being clear on what you want and then being honest with the other person about it Mm. and look it is extremely magnetic and attractive when people are clear about what they want sexy yeah so if someone wants to know more about working with you what's your website what's your instagram and how does someone best get in touch with you Okay, so my website is persialawson.com, but I've actually got something that is going to take everything we've just talked about to the next level. So I'd love you to check it out. It's a free three-part video training series called How to Heal Your Love Life and Attract a Healthy, Soulful, Lasting Relationship. Sounds good. So do you want to hear the three video titles? You want to love it. So the first one is the three qualities you must possess to attract your soulmate. The fourth is four common mistakes that are destroying your chances of finding love and how to avoid them and the third video is the blueprint seven steps to getting the best relationship of your life so it's going to take everything we've talked about particularly around the dating stuff and it's going to take it to the next level and so we can do that can for check free that out yeah completely free of charge and they're really in-depth really good training videos on your website yeah and then if you sign up for that and you get the free training you'll then hear about an opportunity to work with me which will take that even further to the next level and are you talking at any events or i'm talking at lots of events actually I'm doing Sheer Lux in London. I think it might be around the 20th of May. I'm speaking at Wilderness Festival in Oxfordshire on the 3rd of August. My Instagram is at Persia Lawson. They will hear about everything because I'll be shouting it from the rooftops. So <laughs> persialawson.com or at Persia Lawson on Instagram is the best way to keep Perfect. updated. Perfect. All right. But I just want you, I'm going to put you on the spot. Can you give for anyone listening, but particularly people that are, you know, struggling in this area or want to, you know, manifest greater love, what are the three tips that you would give? Okay. Firstly, heal your relationship with yourself and your past, because otherwise you're going to project all that baggage forward into the next relationship. Secondly, get into a spiritual alignment and connection with yourself. That's all about self-care. That's where you do meditation. Oh my God absolutely pivotal because it helps you stop being crazy in your head which like such a big thing in love life so Mm. so first is about healing your past and your relationship with yourself second it's about getting into some sort of spiritual connection whether that just is self-care meditation journaling is a great practice as well thirdly get really clear on what you want and maintain the boundaries because once you're clear on what you want and you know what you will not settle for and accept that's when the universe will start to meet you because people are drawn to people who have standards and self-respect. And I never had those things back in the day. So the people I would attract in, I'd get ghosted by or they were very unhealthy in their own way. And as soon as I got clear about, no, this is the sort of thing I want, this is what I will accept and this is what I won't accept, then Joe turned up because he was able to give me that. Amazing advice. And I ask everyone the same question at the end. And I haven't told you this, so this really is putting you on the spot. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Which is, if you could give all the mums out there in the whole world one thing, what would it be and why? The desire to make their relationship with themselves a priority. 
because that is where everything comes from. Everything, not only your romantic life, your relationships with your children, your career, your finances, your relationship with your body, everything will change if you prioritize making a relationship with yourself as loving and compassionate as possible. Beautiful. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Please check out my Instagram where we continue the conversation and I post daily about all things motherhood and well-being. Also, if you haven't already, have a look at my website because I've been writing more and more blogs and I'm also putting on there all the events and talks that I'm giving. And of course, if you haven't, then please do have a listen to some of the other episodes because I'm chatting to some really incredible women that I'd love you to enjoy. And if you did enjoy it, then please, please leave a review on iTunes. It does make a massive difference to the number of mums that we can reach with this content. So thank you very much. Mm -hmm.